Howdy gang, back at Country and Barbells, Jeremy Day, Joe Shamanic here to bring you tips, tricks, tactics, and all useful things um, to help you train, hunt, and live the best lives possible. Please gang, if we're doing that, let us know. Um, Jeremy, brother man, how we doing? I'm doing pretty grooving this fine <laughs> Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, we've fallen into the Sunday thing, um, which we'll switch here um, tomorrow. Um, we're going to double dip, but... Um, I know Sundays are great. Um, this particular Sunday, um, I, I've been so pumped lately. Just uh, that crispy weather coming in. Um, it, it's just right now is probably my favorite time of year. And it, this is kind of weather that would be like would, I would classify as like late fall in the in the Northeast. And it just reminds me so much of uh, just playing football and good times. And you know you got the holidays coming up, and it's just a it's just a fired up time of year, man. I agree, dude. It's like something in the air that makes, like, it sets me in a different world because I think of old late season rifle hunting, my old original hunting, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get out there. And then archery season, it's like, oh man, I can't be out there. No, it's, and it's so. it's cool because like even like the cold weather, you just got to make that. I don't know. I feel like people can bum the cold weather. Guy, you got to stay inside. But I I like getting out in the cold, like. Just that that crisp, it just bites you the right way when it when it's just crispy like it is right now. That, that that kind of forty degree, nice chill in the air. You breathe, you smell the cold. I don't know, man. It just it just wakes me up. I think it's better than coffee. To be honest with you, <laughs> I agree. But I, <laughs> well, there's something intimidating about it too when you're hunting, right? Because you're like, oh man, especially like us, we're going to be heading out here in a couple days, and it's going to be cold, man. Yeah, we're not used to that in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, but you know, again, I think you you can get into it and move around. Like, okay, um, Eliza, she did a um, she set up a fitness fair at Madigan uh, this past week, and it was Saturday. There, it was um, this the first one of this. This is big fitness fair, and what she ended up organizing, she kind of themed it in the style of a Volksmarch, which is like a traditional kind of German thing. Uh, I don't, okay. I don't know the. I don't know the history behind why it's called a Volksmarkt. Maybe I'll, I'll sort that out before the end of the cast. But um, it came down from the top. This this was the theme. So um, she set up a 5K. And then after the 5K, there was just this big fitness fair with a bunch of vendors um, in the lobby of the hospital. It was really cool. Um, but even the kids, like I layered up pretty good. And I wasn't even going hard because I was running with the kids. Um, my, actually my son bolted out in front. My, my son took fifth overall in this 5k. I didn't even see when he finished. He just, very nice. he just sprinted out in front and he said, dad, I'm just going to go. I'm like, um, okay, mom's at the finish line. Just get there. And, uh, he did. But, um, I ran with the two, (laughs) I ran with another friend who had two little ones, Lucy and Charlie's age five and seven. And they did the whole 5k. And even that, like going at a kid pace, um layered up good and i was just wearing kind of um under armor cold gear underneath and then i had just a i had a light north face i had a light north face puffy on and um some just some kind of like tactical um khakis and dude by mile one i had to put the jacket in my hand like so it's amazing what the body can do if you just start moving, even the kids, they were sweating and had to shed layers off. So I think even when it's cold, you, you, you can manage it with some activity and good layering. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just, but there's still something with that psychological thing with me. <clears throat> it's like, okay, we're sleeping in a tent. <laughs> yeah, just, we're bundled up. <laughs> it's right. getting 25 degrees. <laughs> and you know, part of that is when I was in Idaho, we, um, I went to, a, my wife took me on the Idaho hunt for one year for my birthday. And very cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And um, we weren't <clears throat> prepared at all. Excuse me. We were. We got there. We had plenty of gear and sleeping bags and everything like that. But at night, it was getting about 18 degrees, and we were sleeping on the ground. We didn't have a pad or anything, and we were shivering yeah, because yeah. the ground got so stinking cold. So now I automatically I'll start defaulting to that. I was just thinking about um, yeah, well, experience I, because, because – and so I started to – you know, overthink it like okay i'm not gonna do that this 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 and that and that and that you know you start doing all these things in your head you need that pma they call it that positive mental attitude and all things right that's it and and, and it, like you said it's even little stuff they can just i almost feel like 
with dealing with the cold, you just need to you just need to start with something positive. You know, like and it all bundles up to maybe just a little bit more warmer. Maybe you just you, you get out of bed, you start moving, uh drink some warm water, get get a hot chocolate going. Yeah. yeah. You, you just and and, and and it'll get going. But um I would say I'm, I'm kinda I'm so excited for this late season hunt coming up. Um but I am a little I wanna give you a precursor to something. I'm a little worried about it. If if what's going on at the range I usually shoot at is any indicator of the folks who are going to be hunting with us, it's going to be crowded, bro. Was there a lot of people out there? Yeah, even yesterday at the range I shoot at, which you know it's just, it's a free range in the back of Fort Lewis. It's a good little spot. I can, if I'm in the right lane, I can back up into the woods and get get up to sixty yards, um, which is good. But yesterday, usually I don't see anybody there, but yesterday. I saw it was it was packed the whole day, um, and uh, it, it was interesting. And everyone seems to be hunting, but they all seem to be hunting Lewis, which is cool. If you remember last year, we got those little permits and stalked around and scouted that day, but we ended up not doing that. But uh, these guys, yeah, I don't, I didn't think Lewis was open, bud. No, uh, I guess parts of it are. Um, I'm not sure. According to these guys, they are. Uh, maybe they were talking junk. Um, but uh, well, it used to be, but yeah. this year it changed. Okay, I'm on. Hopefully, we'll they, have to check that out. Yeah, they all. Most of them said they were going deer and they were hunting the area. Um, so we'll see. Oh yeah, deer is open. So sorry, deer is open, not elk. Yeah, because some of us didn't fill their elk tag. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, so but we'll get it. <laughs> Only ten percent of us do. <laughs> but, but it was it was crowded. Um, it was interesting. So um, we may be competing a bit, but but um, you know, hunting public land, it's just something you you got to deal with, got to manage. Uh, is uh have you been out i know you shoot at home but have you been out and about and um have you you have any indications of uh you know with the holiday weekend most people are going to have off obviously uh it's going to be prime time but how do you feel about um any indicators on on folks being out you know i haven't i haven't talked to very many people that go out and sometimes that uh, the first weekend is pretty tough for people because they have family that come in from all over the place and um, I've noticed it. It can be crowded sometimes. It's kind of mixed. Some day, some years it's been crowded. And some years it's just you got the woods to yourself. It all just you know depends, depends on where you go. But um, where we're going is a little further off the beaten path, so people don't go there as much. Cool. But um, yeah, it's hit or miss, man. Year by year, right? <clears throat> yes, sir. Because sometimes, like one year you'll go, there'll be a thousand people, and then those 800 of them will say, I'm never going to do this again. So they're not there for the next couple of years, and then. Yeah, that's it. Then it's busy again, and so forth. Well, and where we're thinking of going, um, it's been a bit since you've been there. So um, a couple things that we wanted to just chat about. And well, we'll actually, we'll start from the beginning. I mean, it is the holiday season, and it's one of these hunts where you kind of. I know what we have to do some negotiation to get some space, yeah, and some time. I know we're going right after. Um, so here's what I had to do, and uh, maybe this will help anyone who needs to negotiate with their better half to to get out in the woods. Um, you know, it's right after Thanksgiving weekend. It'll be my mom's actually flying into town, which is pretty cool. But um, what I ended up doing to to get to be able to go out um, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, I have to go cut the Christmas tree down with the kids Friday morning after Thanksgiving. So oh. uh, we, 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 we're doing that to, to negotiate on. So um, And the other thing I have to do is I don't like to do this, but she just asked, please, before you go out, can you get the Christmas lights up? So, um, again, communicating with the wife, asking for a couple things, what I need to do to get out, kind of get an uh, – you know, an extra day on the hunt and a pat on the back and a go get some elk meat by uh, just kind of asking her, what can I do? What can I do before I go out? It was pretty helpful. Right. Nice. Yeah, me, I just asked. And <laughs> it worked out. She, she said yes. And <laughs> Very cool. Uh, I got to drop my son off at the airport, though. He's going back to Boise. But yeah, I'm going to go pick him up today. Yeah, so with so that. I'm excited about that. Well, the cool part is, though, well, it's awesome that Joey will be in town. Are you and him going to try and go... Well, deer does. Well, unless you wanted to drive east, you wouldn't be able to go hunt. No, Wednesday it opens up. Oh, are you, you and him going to try and get a day in? You know, I wanted to, but it sounds like he's going to go. You know, he's 
in college to become a doctor and he's got an opportunity to shadow a surgeon on Wednesday. So I think he's going to capitalize on that. Oh, cool. Well, good for him, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing in college I did not take advantage of. I didn't work for free enough when I was in college and do those kind of internshipy situations. So that's pretty cool, man. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. we're, We're of course proud of him. Yeah, well, he's your son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, good. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> well, the and then the situation that presents itself though, um, with with me doing some family stuff before the hunt after Thanksgiving, and you having to uh, get Joey to the airport, it does present an interesting situation. I mean, most likely we're going to be, I mean, we're going to be going to a spot you haven't been to in a while, and. Um, when we get there with, with the time change, you know, it's most likely going to be, um, pretty dang dark. So, um, the issues of finding camp and setting up camp, um, maybe walk through folks who might be in that same situation. You want to maximize your, the cool part about doing that, the inconvenience of setting up camp at night does allow us to have, you know, a great full weekend out there where we can hit the boots early on in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the hardest part, like you said, is just showing up in the dark. You're you're going – the best tool in the world is Google Maps. And, of course, the absolute best tool is Onyx Maps. Sure. Because you can kind of figure out where – you know, look at the topography, look at the uh, – in our region, it's all clear cuts and big timber. So you're looking for a place that has the right amount of clear cuts and age on the clear cuts and timber. So you kind of just pick a spot where you're going to camp set up plug up there put in all your waypoints for the uh, google maps and then um, kind of just dive into it it's somewhat going in blind the but you know success can come out of that too because sometimes when you have a perfect plan so you think <laughs> you sit there and try to stick with it and then you kind of sometimes you're not going to be successful that way sure well, yeah, and, and I'm I'm kind I'm kind of on the I'm kind of on the Onyx situation now, looking at the the two waypoints that we're going to be tinkering with. What what even when you're using something like Google Earth um, or the Onyx system to kind of lay down a camp spot, um, what are you what are you looking at? You know, typically I will look for um, a lot of times I look for a gravel pit, an area where they're, they go in and do some rock croppings. I'll look for those because I know it's a clear area. It's free from trees. Um, it's usually a given that it's been around for a while. Those are one thing I look for. But the other thing I also look for are just road systems with maybe like um, several, like an intersection, a big intersection. Then you can just pull off the side of there. But a lot of times you're just pulling off camp and wake up, dink around for a while, you, you know, go hunting and then find a better spot to camp. So you, you, you got to be willing to pack up and move when you do this kind of hunting. I hear you. Cool, man. Um, and then as I'm looking at it, there's I have um, two spots marked. One one seemed to be more eastern. Um, one was a little bit more western. If, if, if of the two um, that you had sent me, uh, which one do you think that would be the spot to consider uh, camp-wise, just so I can kind of, f- you know, follow along with us? Um, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the map, and it might be better for the west, the further west, because the east one that I see. Well, what we'll probably do, because we're getting there late and we have plenty of time to drive around, is we might just drive up that road that goes in about six miles sure and see if it hits a dead end because where i was thinking about camping doesn't look very there's not a lot of clear cuts so we want to go a little further north so it's going to just be drive in there the first option is the one that's further east and that's because it's i believe will have a lot less pressure at least history has shown that um so i mean it's it is the toughest thing to pull the trigger on a hunting spot, especially when you have several <laughs> of them you can go to, right? Cause, yes. And you know me. I will overthink it until it's dead. Sure. And it's, so sometimes it's just 
go with your gut feeling and my gut feeling usually doesn't talk to me until an hour before I go somewhere. As you know, in the mornings, like everybody's like, where are we going to go tomorrow? I don't know. And then in the morning I come up with a plan. I hear you. No, it's, so, it's cool to have options and it's cool to work through that. So, um, so aside from, aside from just the guts, you know, we all have the instinct that we should trust. If there's, um, if there's anything that might offset or, um, be an indicator of intuition because that is a tough thing to do i mean you, the problem with on x is sometimes the abundance of just checking out an area oh this looks good that looks good this is here um do you have any do you have any physical features that might indicate um one spot or w- might prioritize one spot over another yeah um I kind of mentioned it before, but I'd look for the right proportion of clear cuts, the aging of the clear cuts, and the big timber that's surrounding it, and then accessibility. So you want an area that has a lot of clear cuts um, and also a lot of timber. You want probably 60 70% more timber, 30% clear cuts. Um, you want ages in between um, – Three to seven is optimal, in my opinion, um, for elk. Um, zero to four for deer, hmm. because of the reprod. They'll, you know, those reprods will. The, the trees will grow about a foot a year, so you figure a four-year-old reprod typically with the trees will be about four feet tall. But the the um, the feed is really good in that age of trees, so the deer like those ones. Um, but yeah, and then accessibility. You want something that not too many people are going to want to get up in there, hike up in there, and um, do their thing. So those are the things I look for. And on this particular late season, which is really good, is you look for a lot of um, like river systems with private property is what I look for. Because what will happen is that those um, river bottoms or drainages will be kind of big green grassy feed areas so they'll go down in those they'll eat at night and then they'll come back up into the timber and eat in the clear cuts and then make their way in so it allows several options so i'm kind of leaning more against our west right now my gut feeling says the western spot very cool because it has all of those yeah very cool i mean in in it's tough. You get you get kind of pushed into the, some of these public land spots when when you know because Washington has this habit of some, some things close, some things open. But you know people will be pushed around. So I guess to, to some degree, you just need to kind of pick it and hope for the best and, and get in there. Um, but you know it's cool to have a couple ideas of things to look for, um, things to work out because you know you you want to be in your best spot possible. So these animals right now i'd imagine and we talked about this a little bit i mean with with the cold kicking in uh they're tough they're not as affected as us but i'd imagine to some degree they have to sense that you know winter's coming so is their priority right now just feeding up and 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 just making sure that they have calories for the winter and and just kind of you know fueling up yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like I said, they'll be down in those river drainages because they're getting the nutrients out of the um, out of the grasses. A lot of times, they're on the roads because the roads tend to um, grow a little quicker than, you know, the the gravel roads tend to grow um, good feed. And then also south and or east and south facing slopes, which we've talked about in the past um, in late season stuff. They'll feed on those areas in in the clear cuts, and then they'll bed down on those ridge fingers and absorb that sun throughout the day and get their vitamin D. Because, I mean, who doesn't like their vitamin D from the sun? I know, that's right. I had a buddy give me a hard time (laughs) yesterday about that. He goes, you know, you just can't get it there. And I'm like, I'm not lying to you. It was, I mean, yesterday, I don't know if anyone was tracking. Well, yesterday would have been, um, what is it, the November 23rd, Um, but... I can't believe it was sunny, at least where I was shooting bows and arrows. I mean, um, it was sunny, it was crispy, a little breezy, but um, that was beautiful out. So I'd imagine, I'd imagine that the animals, as as much as I took advantage to go run a 5K with the kids and also to to go shoot a little bit, um, I'd imagine, would, would the elk be more active 
when it's nicer out on those nice pockets of kind of sunny days or, or are they just going to be bedded down somewhere clear taking it in? No, I think they'll be active up until around um, the 11 o'clock hour, 10, 10 or 11 in the morning, they'll be up feeding and then they'll bed down for about three or four or five hours and then they'll get up and feed again from like five to eight and then they'll bed down for the night. Oh, very cool. Well, sweet. At least that's what I've, you know, experienced in my 20 plus years, 25 years um, hunting this Pacific Northwest. Screwing around. <laughs> yeah. And plus, you know, this late season, we're going in the day after Thanksgiving and um, they've been pushed a lot. You have an archery, muzzleloader, yeah. rifle, second season muzzleloader and rifle, and then second season rifle deer. And then here we are. So um, the good thing about the units that we've chose, they haven't had much pressure in the last three weeks. So, so maybe they've settled in. Yeah. And it, you know, this time of the year, one of the great tactics is, and I've shot a lot of elk this way is in late season cows calling them in. They want to group up. They want to be together. They want to herd up. So mm. you just do soft cow calls here and there. And a great strategy is, you know, when there's a lot of pressure, you get down into an ugly hole or where you don't think anybody's going to be, and you and you kind of figure out where the pressure is on the road systems, get down into that hole and just softly cow call for a while, and eight out of ten times those elk will come right to you because they think it's safe. They think it's a safe direction to go to, so they'll herd up and start heading that way out of the clear cut. So you kind of choose a clear cut, get at the bottom of the fringe or off to, you know, one side or the other, get it into the timber about 40, 60 yards and just call softly. So just kind of like, uh, almost just lo a mew. lost just calf like, stuff or is it just kind of, does it, does yeah, it lost calf, then maybe a cow and then assembly mew. And I mean, there's, you, you just kind of do it all, but you don't get the, they're a lot quieter in the late season, so you don't need to be sitting there going, ew, 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 ew. you know, you don't sit there and get aggressive. You just one or two here or there every now and then just kind of like, hey, we're meandering through the timber and we're going to head up to our bedding area type situation. Yeah, and even folks hunting bulls, perhaps I've heard I've heard a similar situation where, you know, calling isn't <laughs> the big ticket in late season. But even if you even if you got a, even if you're in an area that allows um for bulls to be harvested late season, um, the thought is to get an advantage point maybe on a road system and kind of do that. Even even though the bulls aren't super vocal, um, they're curious perhaps, and they might they might just kind of take a glance at it. But um, that's interesting, man. That that'd be fun. That'd be that that'd be cool to to get a little calling in at them and and get them moving around because you know. I think that's that's a cool part of this whole situation, just that interaction. It'd be cool to get even a little bit of that in late season. Well, yeah, and it's just a big spot and stop game, which is my favorite. So, and that's the tactic I'll be using on my deer. Is you just got to spot them, stock them, head in, and harvest. A kind of still hunt situation, right? Or are you talking about clear cut? Yeah, you're going to go into a clear cut. You're going to spot, try to spot them moving around in their feeding, and then try to you know cut down where you think they're going to go into and then then you're you know then they'll go into a patch of timber and then you're still hunting from that point on because once that once you uh, hit the clear cuts and and say you don't see any elk in the clear cuts or deer then you you choose a patch of timber that you think is going to be good that is kind of a big thick forest that it's got big timber and they they really like the alders this time of the year too and those um those bottoms. And I don't know if it's because the leaves and all that kind of do a compost thing and make it keep it warm for them when they bed down. Mm. And I think it's that. And partly they can see forever inside those alder patches. So we'll be pushing through a lot of alder. Yeah. And probably, I mean, what they probably want to see is little breaks and movement in there. So, I mean, and that's why I even like the idea of even being in the timber and just that, the still hunting that situation and um you know just trying to trying to be sneaky that's fun in the woods it's, it's cool to just it's cool to run around with purpose i guess where every step kind of matters you know so 
Oh, that's exciting because something branch breaks or <laughs> yeah, something, that's right. you know. I was just listening to the Born and Raised Outdoors podcast yesterday. I can't remember which one it was, but they were telling a story how they were hiking up the woods and something came or a trail and something came burling down this trail and it ended up being a bunch of goats. But they were like, oh, you know, you kind of get excited, but <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, that was the situation last year at late season. I mean, the first stalk I ever put on an animal was, you know, we had just. You know, we had just still hunted some nice timber, and um, we got into a nice clear cut. And I had noticed a game. I had noticed a nice game trail and some fresh sign. And we had decided to just hang out for a little bit and you know make a coffee, eat a snack, and we were doing that. And you know, as we were sitting there, we just heard a, and I'm like, Tim, did you hear that? He goes, What? And I'm like, Just listen. Heard it again. He goes, Oh, that's an elk. Oh yeah, and um, <laughs> then we hear it again, and I'm like, and then we kind of discussed it for a moment, and uh, he said, "You should go. You should go put the stock on." And uh, I just kind of followed the game trail. This was the foggy day, and uh, it was super cool. As soon as I got to go ahead to go down that trail, and you know, I would hear the crack again. Kind of, it, it ended up being a cow just feeding in a in a bit of a river bottom or a bit of a drainage at the you know base of a creek. Um, in that foggy day and just taking those steps and moving slow and you couldn't see down into it because it was so dang foggy and I've told the story before and apologies if you guys have heard it but this is when I was kind of putting that putting that stalk on and all of a sudden out of nowhere the fog just lifted and uh, there that cow was about 70 yards from me and um, caught a glimpse of her eye she caught a glimpse of mine and then a moment later I saw her ass and she was bolting um, but, but it was cool. You know what I mean? Um, it was a cool experience, you know what I mean? So, um, no, we're, we're looking to hopefully, hopefully get another one like that again. And it's funny, you know, as we opened the show, we were talking about cold and feeling it, but man, I can remember even now f- not feeling anything, just being like in the moment, you know what I mean? And, um, where the step I was taking mattered more than any feeling I was having, if that makes any sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Super like super like in the zone, you know. Well, and you know what I like about your story is that you guys were just hanging out and being quiet and just listening. Mm-hmm. And and then that's what you heard cuz the trap I fall into a lot of times is is I'm a I got to get to the other ridge. I got to get yeah. to the other ridge. I got to get to the other ridge. So I'm always constantly pushing in the brush, but this year, you know, I tried to real hard to just kind of be patient, sit, watch, trust my ears, trust my eyes. And part of that is I'm half deaf. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's hard to, but for some reason, my ears seem like they're getting a little better, but. Well, I got a good set of ears. You got a good set of eyes. We should be able to put it together and make it happen. Absolutely. I just sent you a new location where we're going to actually, we're going to go there for sure. Sweet, fired up. Well, there it is. <laughs> I'll I'll load yeah. it into the all next, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But no, it's just, and, and you're right. I will say that patience, that particular hunt developed because we had just come out of probably like you know a ninety minute stonk at stomp through the woods, right? So maybe we were a little tired. But um, you know, it was yeah. it was honestly just paying attention too. We had just busted out of this clear cut, and um, you know, we did see some sign, and and and. Just the patience of that moment, though, or any moment, to just pay attention to what's around you. You know what I mean? So I think that'll be the big ticket here um, for me going into late season. I've talked about it a few times if you guys have been paying attention, but just exercising some patience. So I think when I take a step or move, I'm going to try to, you know, wait that extra moment and then also move just a little bit more deliberately and slowly and just kind of work it out i think i'm picking up some tracking things and i'm getting better at it and um, hopefully this off season it'll be a matter of you know really putting into play this idea of of patience so that's 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 my that's my thought no it's a good one man patience are the key sometimes to success so a lot of times you talk to a lot of the old old timers and they'll say You'll ask them, well, how come, what, why are you so much more successful now than when you were younger? And they'll, most of the times they say, because I exercise my patience. Yeah, that's right. I just take my time. I just, I'm older. I don't want to be pushing through the brush. So I just sit there and watch and listen and, and shoot. <laughs> Very cool. I'm like, damn, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we will. That's what we're going to do. Absolutely. <laughs> no, so super exciting. Um, cool. This spot looks fired up. I like it. I'm in. I'm in. I've got into a lot of elk over there, and now there's a lot of great clear cuts. But there's also on the other side of the street too is a good spot. So very cool. Um, so it's going to be one of those two spots when we get there, buddy. I'll tell you too what I'm. What I am interested about though. Because, you know, I talked about at the opening of the show, you, you run a 5K to, to get your activity up. You know, obviously, we've talked about the layering situations. But um, the the other thing is, I think with these late-season hunts, it's probably super important. Uh, you don't hear, you don't hear, you don't hear a lot of solo hunting late-season. And it's probably, uh, I think, a good idea. You know what I mean? Especially if it's going to be super cold, um, just because of... There is there is the thought of like hypothermia and that's super it's something that happens, you know what I mean? It's something to oh, yeah, be absolutely. thoughtful of. But you know, one of these telltale signs of that thing of hypothermia is just a general confusion, right? So um kind of just being able to keep tabs on somebody uh is is important. Um aside from like the layering systems and stuff, I mean, we are going to be like you know, we're not going to be as active as early season, not to mention the weather is not going to be as nice. But, you know, what have you done in the past to kind of just keep hypothermia from setting in or the idea of it? You know I mean, are there any other um, any other cold weather tricks you got? No, really. It's just um, the days are short. That's yeah. why it's kind of a little bit scarier too. You know, we're not starting hunting until six thirty, seven o'clock, and then it's we're done at four fifteen, four thirty. Yeah. So really, it's just layering up is is the key component, and then making sure you have if you backpack in this time of the year, especially in the Pacific Northwest, that you have a dry set of clothes that you can sneak into at night. Sure. Um, to where I always pack in a real thick extra pair of. Uh, base layer that way every night I just turn into that base layer and the socks that I'm going to wear for the next day and then now that I'm freaking bald I put on a beanie cap Very cool. and that tends to help me when I'm sleeping but during the 4.30 until 9 o'clock uh, if you're in an area maybe you can build a fire or and then hang out by the fire or um, just make sure you just have all those layers it adds a little bit to your pack but and, you know, make sure you put those layers in a in some type of dry bag so that when you do pull them out and it's been raining all day long, that they're actually dry. So that's the biggest tip I can give anybody. Well, like I'll put my socks and my underwear and all that stuff in Ziploc bags, and then I will put um, my puffy jacket, pants, other base layer, all that kind of stuff in another um, another bag because my socks and underwear, I want to make sure they're 100% dry. Well, and two, you know, it might even just keep you from fumbling around in the pack if you need to get to it in a quick spot. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean, because, you know, seconds, minutes probably matter. Let's say, worst case scenario, you fall into a creek and you need to get changed quick while you're kind of freaking out. I, there was one guy, I guess, who was it? The guy was training for something in the cold weather where they perhaps had to be climbing or something. But the his strength and conditioning coach... What he had him do was he was making him um, put together Lego sets after he had put his hands in, like, an ice bath. You know what I mean? So oh, interesting. I wonder if even kind of just training for it. Because, you know, people talk about these emergencies, but how often do you really put yourself in them in a, in a, in a controlled way, right, just to see what you would do and how you'd act? Right, exactly. I think that's pretty cool. I'll throw a tip out there that I think is cool. I know that guys like to get out to these hunting spots and, and do the thing and, you know, at, at, you get by the campfire and drink a beer or, or have a bourbon. But um, to be honest, uh, you know, caffeine and alcohol aren't going to help you um, no. uh, in terms of, you know, whether you whether it's thin in the blood or widening blood vessels or whatnot, they kind of just mess with your blood's ability to regulate your temperature. You know what I mean? So not to mention, you know, alcohol desensitizes you to some degree. So you, you're probably not even going to feel the cold. So, you know, as much as we all like to get out there and make a party of this situation, you know, I, pr I probably wouldn't be having uh, too many late night cocktails. And I'd also probably, you know, limit 
the coffee intake, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, have half a cup and, and sip on it a bit, you know what I mean? And, you know, as maybe even the suggestion would be rather than coffee in the morning um, with these Yeti cups and things. I took my son to his first high school football game and we made him hot chocolate before we went. And by the fourth quarter, um, that hot chocolate was still burning the mouth. And, and if you gulped it, you're, you'd still blister up. So so maybe the thought is, you know, go to something like a hot chocolate or even maybe put a soup in the, in the Yeti container. I mean, you can probably handle those few extra ounces for that heavy thing. I mean, I'd imagine that, that kind of warm soup in the middle of the day would be just as just as comforting as a warm cup of coffee. Well, that's what's nice about us bringing our jet boil type apparatuses with us out in the woods too, is then we can heat it up in the middle of the day and kind of rally up for the afternoon evening hunt. Yeah, well, because it keeps you a little warm, but yeah, you're right. It's not going to save you in hypothermia situations. Yeah, well, hypothermia situations, you really just got to. The best thing to do is build a fire. Just stop where you are. Don't sit there and try to think that you know where you're at. Just stop. Build a fire. Make sure you have stuff that um, fire starter that will do so <clears throat> in wet weather. And that's one thing me and my brother-in-law have done is that we'll get out there and we'll try to build the fire in the pouring down rain. And we've been successful each time we've done it, but we've had to be innovative each time. And so now we've got it down to a science. And basically, I just have a whole container full of uh, cotton balls full of um, Vaseline. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so that's yeah. another thing. Make sure your make sure your emergency pack set up right. I mean, um, yeah, because these compounding factors. I mean, when it's nice, you can just kind of walk out and keep moving. But dang it, you know, when it's cold and hypothermia sets in and, and you're confused, um, you might just be walking circles. Oh, you will be walking. Yeah. I mean, statistically, you are going to, and statistically, you're going to end up. Um, most of the guys end up dying within one mile mile of their vehicle. Mm. That's that is so. Um, and what's crazy about sixty or seventy percent of those people will have what they need to survive in the woods for five days. That's crazy, man. They never even opened up their pack. Yeah. So, and with the gear anymore, I mean, you 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 build a fire, you get your shelter up, and you jump in your sleeping bag. And with if you have you know any of this new technology. Um, base layers and all that stuff. You just get down to your base layer, get in your tent, and the moisture evaporates away from your or your sleeping bag, and it, it'll evaporate from your uh, your body, and then it'll you start to cool down a little quicker. Again, the importance of having the right stuff, you know. Yeah. And, and to I'd add to that, you know, the importance of kind of also activity and food will help warm you up too. You know what I mean? So. Um, just move around. I mean, I think sometimes the tendency might just be to get small and kind of pout through it, but that ain't going to go. You know what I mean? Um, that again, well, and you got to do real small activity because you yeah. don't want to perspire and start the whole game over again. Well, the, well, the situation there might be interesting if, if you're, let's say the other situation is maybe you are in a really tight spot, no sleeping bag just what's in your pack and your clothes are wet. So I know some recommendations are, that's why it's always important to kind of have puffy gear with you. Cause mm-hmm. if you throw that over your stuff and then get moving, um, and then get a little food in you, then all of a sudden you can get some activity going where your heat, your perspiration working with that puffy gear will start to get, especially a, a synthetic layer, um, will, will dry a bit. There's actually a pretty cool video that, um, I think it's John Barclow of Sitka put together where he put, he put two guys in a Creek bed, made them roll around in the water and then had, they had to figure out how to get dry. And, um, when you don't, when you don't have, um, if you're in that tough spot where you don't have access to your fire starter, you don't have your sleeping bag and you can't put up a tent, um, just getting that puffy gear on and moving around was something that got them uh, dried up pretty quick and at least regulating their body temperature. So the, the the important thing is to just have a damn plan. You know what I mean? It's it's you know in um in a tough situation, just like with training, um, whether it's in sport or you know out hunting, you know people have this delusion. I think that when things get tough, they're going to be at their best. Um, but they're not, 
you know, generally you can count on your minimums if you count on anything. So yeah, exactly. If you can, and, and and you could do it all in one word. I mean, in, in everything, it's just stop. And when we teach this in hunter safety, the word stop means stop when you realize you have a problem. And the first thing you want to do is admit to yourself that you're in trouble. So that's the first thing. Then the T is, um, you know, you need to think about what you need to do to survive, which is pretty simple. I mean, it, you just, again, it's stop. And then the O is observe. So you want to observe the area and look for shelter, fuel, and et cetera, to, you know, find those things that's going to help you. And then that's the O. And then the P is plan on how you're going to use your survival kit and the other um, resources available to you. Don't wait until dark to, you know, come up with a plan. You want the second you think you're lost, that's when you use the stop. I love it. Um, and then uh, move forward. So it's stop, think, observe, and plan. One I, word. I love it. Get it. Turns yeah. into four. Yeah, Turns into you leaving the woods. Yeah. Getting back home to mama and the crew. The, the last thing anybody wants is when you're hunting around these holidays is to turn a um, – to turn a really cool weekend um, that's meant to be fun and put a lecture meat in the freezer into a uh, into a into a disaster, you know, which can happen <laughs> if, if you're trying to do too much. But um, you know, as, as we start off with on X and stuff, that that also helps. You know what I mean? I, I know one thing I always like to do is um, I like to pick a vantage point that or a reference area that I know. Let's say for where we are, I mean, even when we're hunting south of us, there's a major road. So what yeah. I ultimately like to do is kind of use the map, use a compass to kind of sort out, no matter where I am, can I find where south is? And worst case scenario, I also have a reference to just go to that major road, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, there's 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 ways to go and there's things you can do kind of in your mind to, to kind of get comfortable, but... You know, ultimately having having some sort of a plan or, or thinking about it and putting something into practice where, you know, you can get out of a tough situation because, you know, people don't plan for emergencies to happen, but they do. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah, you're gonna one one where one day you're gonna be in a situation where you're gonna be in a have to you know maybe spend the night in the woods or tap into your survival instincts and do it. Was the story you told last time about getting lost on that fence line was that as was that as tough as you've been? Toughest spot. Yeah, that's the toughest. That's the um, that's the worst I've ever got lost. Yeah. Very and good. I didn't practice the stop analogy. I mean, if I would have, <laughs> I would have. Um, but you know, I was way younger, not as smart, and you know, I was invincible. And like I said, I was like, oh, I know exactly how to get back. I looked at the map. Yeah. Well, you know. experience matters, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Whether it's the old hunter who's learned patience through bumping a herd or, you know, a, coming out of a tough spot on a cold day. I mean, you, you sort some things out, you know what I mean? So I even know my buddy who was hunting, the guy who got me into it, always tells this story of a buddy who, you know, they were going on a late season hunt and, you know, um, they lost their dad. Um, they got split up and they couldn't find them. And he was saying everybody got so damn cold that they almost didn't want to go find, didn't want to go look for the fella. Um, <laughs> yes. They were just, they were all kind of getting over it. And he was like, what are you got? What are y'all talking about? This is your dad. We got to go get him." And uh, when they did end up finding him, you know, he was in jeans and, and sneakers. Right. So um, it, it, it's just wild what can happen out there. And, and nobody plans for those crazy things. Like I can sit here and say with great certainty, I've never thought of abandoning you know, my kids or, or even my dad anywhere. But I can also say with great certainty, I've never been in negative, you know, temperatures, swirling wind, you know, for, for six hours looking for somebody, you know, I, the closest. It's I, scary. No, yeah, I was going to say the closest I can think of it is when we were tracking your cow two years ago, there were moments where I was like, screw this. We ain't finding it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's just yeah. go back to hunting. You know what I mean? Even in that, you know what I mean? And it's just having the, the mental fortitude to stick with it and to stick with your plan and be prepared. I mean, you never know until you know. You don't. I know there has been a couple times with um, when we used to rifle hunt and one of our uncles got lost and man, we were up for it. I mean, it was, it was scary. There was, and there was six or eight of us looking for him and, 
Um, finally, he ended up showing back up to the trucks. He he went one ridge system over and then got a ride all the way back down to where we were. But for two hours, it, I mean, it, that kind of stuff really stresses me out. I do not get stressed out, but when I think somebody's lost, yeah, it's nerve wracking. I will I will literally almost lose my mind. Yeah, and I've um, I've been on that bad side of that with you. When I, me and Mason came in late to the scouting trip, you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. Coming in late or uh, uh, what was that? Th- didn't that happen? Um, that happened this early season, didn't it? Didn't we not know where a couple guys were for a little bit? Yeah. It was getting dark. You no, know, it is nerve-wracking. You know, you give a rip about somebody, you want to know where they are. Yeah, because the guys <laughs> went up. They were supposed to go up one trailhead, and then I don't know what they did. And finally, we I mean, how many times we go back to camp and forth? That's right. We were driving so, around looking for guys at the top, and we had just missed each other. Even in the dark, they weren't so far off the road. But um, you know, and that was funny too because they remember we they were they had they didn't have their headlamps on. But for us, no. it was so dark. But for them, they were sitting in it, and their eyes were kind of adjusted. So that was interesting. But um, you know, again, another interesting scenario. Um, you know, keep tabs on folks. Have your plan. Have your plan C. Um. Then that would be one thing, you know. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the spot you just sent me. I'm looking at Onyx, and I can remember, you know, you guys had those cool GPS units with that closed system where the the GPSs could sync, and you could even communicate with each other in that closed system. It'd be really cool. I don't know. I don't know what the brain trust over at Onyx or folks who develop these apps. Um, it'd be really cool. I mean, that would be the next level of awesome with that app. Yeah, you know where you are, but it would be pretty cool if there were an opportunity or a way where the phones could sync in a kind of that closed system where if they were so, you know, same similar way. What was your Rhino units used to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, rumor has it that they're gonna, it, it, they're coming out with that. Cool. Well, get it, boys. I mean... Hell, I don't know how powerful that would be, but damn it, that would make my wife feel better too if she could sink in with me. Um, yeah, but uh, well, I think it's more of the local parameters when you're with your hunting party. But oh yeah, no, and, and I, I wonder, I wonder what the parameters of that'll be. Whether it'll be like a hundred yards or um, you know four hundred, you know whatever it is. I mean, it, it would be cool. Even again, I'll go back to that late season hunt I did last year. Uh, there after after we busted that cow. Um, we put a plan together where we were going to try and we, we had this idea of where she went and, um, we thought we did, um, and took a stab at it, but we split up, but we did have those units and it was cool to kind of be able to, um, we had a plan where, Hey, one o'clock, turn it on and let's check in with each other. And we did. And, and that put a le- level of comfort, uh, to some folks and, uh, we stuck with the plan and hooked back up. Didn't. Didn't find the cow, but I'll tell you, um, talked about before, but that's when I came across the freshest, warmest, biggest pile of uh, cougar shit I've ever encountered in my life. <laughs> yeah, nerve-wracking, huh? And it ruined my day. <laughs> but, but uh, Well, you know, on the survival side of it, too, what you really should do, and I do this when I go out, I do a lot of solo hunting in the late season Okay. for deer, and I have a state map book every state has the book and then I mark exactly where I'm going to park my car and where I'm going to hunt. And for my wife, in case I don't come home, she can say to nine one one or whomever, these are the coordinates where he said he was going to be. And then they know where I'm going to be in that general. And I pretty much stick with that plan because, you know, if you're going to come up with the plan, you stick with the plan. That's the other survival thing you always want to do. So, um, and that's if you don't – a lot of guys are using the in-reaches, which are super-duper nice, and I need to look, look into that Satellite as well. Phones. But, you know, that's a – yeah. Well, the in-reach, I think, is a ping, right. right? So they can text back and forth with family. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and I think they also have stuff. I mean, I know that there's some hunts or hikes you do where it's required you have one of those emergency GPS setups where if you do whatever, they can track you or, or find it or – or something like that. I'm kind of speaking um, definitely out of expertise on that, but um, there are options. I know I'll share my, my, I've started doing that. That's kind of my post. That's kind of like my pre hunt thing too. I'll actually show the wife, the spot on the, on X. Like, you know, I know people are pretty weary about hunting spots, but Jeremy, uh, my wife will know these waypoints, sir. I hope you're okay with that. 
That's all right. Just as long as she doesn't <laughs> share it on social media. That's it. That's it. Don't, yeah, don't no. put it out there. But no, that that, that kind of you stuff. You know me. I really don't care if people hunt where I do. So. Yeah. Well, you know, but that, that, that layer of whether you show her on the paper map or you, you, you walk them through on X and show them exactly where you are, you know, that stuff's important. You know what I mean? And if, yeah. if you can make your wife feel better while you're out in the woods, um, you'll probably have more times in the woods. Exactly. So the safer. They feel that never, they know that you're going to come home. Well, fire it up, man. Um, uh, it's fun to just talk about what we're going to do. Cause, um, I'm pumped up for it, man. I think it's going to be a good hunt. Um, we got two deer tags and an elk tag to fill. And I have a feeling we're going to get them all done. We're going to, we're going to get three animals back, sir. That's it. And the trick is going to be getting back to the truck. That's it. I will do that. We'll just, but I think what I'll do is I'll bring the mountain bikes. Um, so that we can uh on our trip back i like it sounds good to me let's do it yeah so that way we can pedal back and forth pedal to the metal yeah well cool fellas these units we're going to are all closed gates which is nice cool well i just you know again you hope for the you hope for you hope for um you hope for lots of animals uh, a few people and um you know heavy pack outs you know, that's what, Amen. that's what we're looking for today. But um, <laughs> hopefully we get some of that. Hopefully you guys do too. I know, like I said, um, if the crowds at the range are any indication of what's going to be going on here this late archery season, um, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be lots of guys out there, and um, we wish you guys all luck. Uh, Jeremy Day, man, it's always fun to talk with you, sir, and um, looking forward to linking up with you um, Friday afternoon. Absolutely. We'll uh, jump in the rig and head out. Or you're going to follow me, right? Yeah, nah, we'll get those, those details figured out. Yeah, we'll get those details out, but um, it'll be good, brother. Yep, I agree. All right, gang. Well, happy hunting. Train hunting. Live the best lives possible. If you um, enjoy the show, if you like hearing Jeremy and I um, have our little backs and forths about planning our hunts, getting ready for our hunts, and avoiding um, bad situations on our hunts. Uh, just let us know with a, a quick review or a quick shout out or even just passing the cast on uh, to your hunting buddies. And until the next one, guys, um, I'm Joe Shamanic. That's Jeremy Day and Train Hunt and Live, your best life possible. God bless America. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> That's it. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah. Well-